when 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 I was a kid, I, I knew a little creature, and, and he, uh, he wore a leather jacket. He wore a leather he wore a leather jacket. Jack, he uh, his name Munchie. He's a little he's a little cre creature. Looked like a bat, and and maybe like a little gnome, little a little goblin, little bat goblin baby, a little grease. He looked like greaser down down at the soda pop shop. They had grease. Munchie dressed like one. He had a little leather jacket, and he said, "I can I can I can do magic for you." And I said, do a magic for me, Munchie. And he, and, he, and, he, and he zapped my whole class. He zapped them in the ocean. They all died. Because I didn't like none of them. And I said, Munchie, uh, uh, one day, uh, will, will, will I make, make me president? I want to be president, Munchie. Uh, and he said, I'll, I'll do that. And, and I'm, 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 I'm now president. Munchie's my, Munchie's my secretary of state. He's in there every day. Munchie's in my office every day. Munchie. Oh. Yeah, you met him? No, uh, Mr. Biden, I have not. Uh, uh, what time? Hey, let's get, let's get you your dinner, okay? Where are we? That's all right. Where are we? We're, we're in the White House. Where's Hunter? Oh, um, hmm. Where's Munchie? <laughs> I got some bad news for you. got a very uh special guest with us today everybody uh we have special sick variant austin on hey, the show everyone. uh what's up so this is a collectible austin uh he's pretty rare you only find him about uh one in every 20 packs um he is uh shiny from yeah. mucus I'm very similar to regular Austin, except the middle of my mustache is constantly saturated with mucus. Yeah, it's shiny from the mucus. Uh, he's got that deeper, sultry voice from the pain of his yeah, throat. Yeah, we, we gotta we gotta get this going because I got a, a jazz show to announce after this. Right. Um. So, uh, you're all in luck that we have special variant sick Austin on the show tonight. Just oh, also, my breath constantly smells like menthol because of the amount of cough drops I'm consuming. Just don't get too close, uh, to your to your speaker on your phone or your headphones because uh, he will get you sick it's via very contagion. contagious through microphones. It's actually worse than COVID. Doctors have said it's like a super cold. Yeah, but if your name's not Austin, you can't get it, so it's pretty convenient. Yeah, so uh, welcome back to the show, Austin. Uh, let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. It's been two two whole weeks without me. Yes, it has. Um, it's pretty crazy. So welcome back. Yeah, that's. Oh, I don't think we'd ever gone two weeks in a row before, um, but we're glad to have you back. Yeah, a lot of random circumstances that just lined up life life does happen especially so, when doing a podcast isn't even you know like a job it's just a fun it's a fun hobby thing, thing. Yeah. uh so it's understandable um so welcome back to the show uh you missed a fun time last week uh learning all about the new uh detention center for uh college undergrads oh, at uc yeah. santa barbara um, so make Man, sure to link. I saw a, uh, a TikTok about that before you told me that's what the episode was on. 
and I was just immediately very depressed thinking about that. Uh-huh. So it's probably good I wasn't on that episode, because I was just so upset. Right. I was like, I can't fucking believe this is happening. Right. Or it might not happen, I don't know. I, uh, I do have a, um, thing to start us out with, completely unrelated to today's topic. Um, I, I had a thought recently, and I wanted to discuss it quickly with you at the top okay. of this episode, um, specifically because it does involve, uh, something related to Marvel movie. Oh, okay. uh, now you're, uh, you're what they call a huge Marvel shill. I would say, yeah. I mean, I literally have an Avengers half sleeve tattoo, and um, in the future, that in the future, everyone will have to be branded with a Disney property, uh, lest they be hunted down as outlaws by yeah, so I figured bounty I'd go hunters. Ahead and get it out of the way. Right. So, so you're already, uh, you are have already willed and submitted your body to Kevin Feige owns this bussy. Let me tell you to the to the mouth. So I wanted your I wanted your input on this thought I had. Um, mm-hmm. that my, this is a new, it's no longer, obviously it's November, so it's not conspiracy month anymore. It's been a bit since we had, uh, that yeah. fun series, but this is, this is a new conspiracy theory bringing up okay. on the show. I don't know if others have said it, but, um, I, I know others have joked about it or like a similar observation. I don't know if anyone's made a direct conspiratorial accusation though, but it is that, um, in Avengers Endgame, they made old Captain America intentionally look like Joe Biden to try to uh, ease the populace into a favor a favor towards Joe Biden pre uh, twenty twenty election. Um, I have not heard that. Uh, but you know, he does kind of look like Joe Biden. He looks a lot like him, like too you much. Know- I don't no, know. Maybe like, all old do do all old white men just look the same? Is that the problem? I don't know. My granddad does not look like Joe Biden. No, and neither he's, does he's mine. Neither does mine. But so uh, it feels a little intentional. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's just so clearly. I actually saw someone recently on a post. They said uh, this was on, I can't Twitter. I think someone said I. They didn't even realize they had seen that picture of elderly Captain America. And they had thought until recently it was just a picture of Joe Biden that was like face oh that was like face edited or something. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know, obviously I don't know the veracity of that, but I mean, it doesn't sound unbelievable. No, yeah, like I don't think that they would go that deep into like political conspiracy outside of just like lobbying for shit. But like, what if they were like, well, we want people to, you know, we want to we want to reintegrate Joe into the common you know the common culture before this election really starts ramping up so we're gonna we're gonna make this character look very similar to joe biden and we're gonna yeah. make it's it, we're gonna make you know sensibly one of our one of the fan favorite you know wholesome lovable characters kind yeah. of joe biden-esque in his old age you know and it's not even a, a bad move because like i think in like the general like lib populace people see joe biden as like a harmless like friendly old man right and so you know even if it wasn't politically motivated just like designing old captain america after an old man that like a lot of people already kind of like right and it's it's you know much like captain america joe biden when he was younger you know many horrible war crimes 
And then when he's older, you know, he's just, just he's just vibing. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> What if what if at oh. the what if at the end what if in end game he Captain America wasn't even he, he didn't inti- he nothing he did was intentional he had just the dementia had set in so like what what do they say where he says what do they ask him when he responds no I don't think I will what what, um, what were they asking he, him so Falcon notices a ring on his finger he's like oh you gonna tell me about the girl oh yeah no, I don't think I will <laughs> it's like hey you gonna tell me about the girl uh, I, I, I knew girl in uh, in 1957 we, we we went to the pool and yeah, like, and she was real nice at the at the at the at the, at the, at the swimming hole, and we we, we played patty cake all day long. Falcon's just like, what the fuck are you talking? about? He's just about rambling. Here? He didn't even mean to go back in time. He 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 fuck, he got he fucked up. Falcon just starts like patting him on the back and is like, hey, son's getting real low, big guy. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm a, Captain America sundowning. I, I, I had a shield. I fought Nazis. There's Nazis all around me, and I, I threw the shield, and it hit him in the head. I love so much. There's like a couple episodes of Community where Pierce says something that's like very much old man going downhill kind mm-hmm. of thing, and one of the characters will just be like, "Oh," like after he says it, right. And then, like, three episodes after that starts happening, someone mentions, yeah, with Pierce sundowning all the time. Right. <laughs> well, and then, then there's that one episode of Community where he's not actually in it, but they allude to Joe Biden. <laughs> and they and, and there's, like, a line about, like, I wish I could be a real president. Oh, my God. So, Is that real? Yeah, it's in the election episode where they run for student government oh, or whatever wait, like season two or whatever yeah because they the whole reason is because joe biden is doing like a tour of That's community right. colleges yeah, yeah. We, he's not actually in the episode but they like allude to they, him they say his name and then the like thing. the impersonator at the end who's like you just see his hand or whatever he says like I, I, I wish i could be a real president yeah yeah so uh another unrelated thing uh so i saw someone point out that shark boy and lava girl is just the wizard of oz uh i mean i mean yeah i mean you could say that about anything where it's like at all though i guess yeah there is a tornado i feel like that a lot of movies fit that like oh it was all a dream type of a thing like any movie where it's like oh a dream influenced by their real life yeah but i think it's like specifically um it's like two like characters trying to like get away from like a bad situation right and so they go to this dream world retreating from trauma inside their yeah inside their subconscious yeah that's what i'm saying right that's fair i just thought, saw someone point that out. i was like that's something i never would have thought of uh, 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 1957 i i, I have a shark boy at the pool and i had this girl lava girl and i said step back jack <laughs> um so well that's good i thank you for sharing that interesting observation and uh certainly keep uh i i i open emoji on old man joe biden you know if you know yeah. what i'm saying oh, absolutely. I once had a friend. his name was joe joe show was cold you said i'll be a man I drive a Cadillac, I carry money on the side, Joe, right on Joe, Joe. Alright Austin, well, 
you know, you're back oh, after hey. after having to be after having to be off for a couple weeks. Uh, yeah. you know, we're 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 you know, still kind of resetting after uh conspiracy month, you know. Uh two out of the last three episodes were were non-movie topics, were were more of a cultural top. Well, I guess the Star Wars one was movie related, but we it was talking about lore and then last week with the dorm. Uh I wanted to kind of uh kind of take a take a trip back down uh, memory lane to a uh, explaining to Austin uh, legacy uh, property, if you will, kind of some good uh, nostalgia. Oh, is Howard going to come up? Uh, as far as I know, I know. That we'll have to get back to Ron Howard another day. But uh, <laughs> we are bringing up an old friend, and that old friend is the one and the only Munchie. Oh, yeah. Because today we will oh, be, yeah. I will be explaining to you the sequel to 1992's Munchie, 1994's Munchie Strikes Back. Oh, baby. So, Austin, uh, I told you this morning, uh, or last night, I can't remember, uh, that today's topic would be Munchie Strikes Back. Uh, what, were, what were your initial thoughts and what questions do you have, what predictions do you have for... for the sequel to Munchie. Um, so my initial thought when you told me that was pure excitement. That's um, fair. I feel anyone would have that reaction to Munchie, given yeah. what we know of him from the first film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's wonderful. Uh, the movie was wonderful, obviously. Of course. It's a classic. Yeah. Um... And I'll be honest, I only have one question for Munchie Strikes Back. Okay, go ahead. And those, that is, does Munchie still fuck? Uh, hold on. I'm thinking. I gotta say, Austin, and this will be the, pre- the, 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 the theme present throughout today's episode. Uh, as far as I can think... And maybe we'll come across something during the episode that will change my mind. But Munchie does not fuck. This oh. movie in general, compared to the original Munchie, is overall, uh, I'd say, about uh, 90% less horny. Oh, uh, so it's like more family-oriented, maybe? It is more of your classic family film in many ways. But overall, I would also say, as with the horniness, this movie is quite a step down and a disappointment in terms of, uh, in terms of the Munchie canon, uh, not was quite let down by the quality drop in this one when I watched it last night. Gotcha. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, well, but I, I hate to say it, but it's 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 my opi- it's my opinion. It's the uh, it's in that's the truth according to me. Anyway, that's how I felt. Well, I'm still excited regardless, I think. Sure. I mean, it definitely has moments. It has it has its moments, uh, and, and, and we'll get to those. Uh, so what what, uh, you, what do you want? You want me to go through, you know, cast and crew and stuff? Yeah, of course. Always. All right. Um, well, uh, it's the same director of the first film, Mr. Jim Wynorski, uh, who I'm sure you'll remember... Aside from directing Munchie and other films, uh, classic uh, genre trash like uh, Chopping Mall, uh, he's also directed many, uh, many, uh, many, 
seemingly soft porn, soft core uh, porn parody movies. We went through most of the titles last time. Uh, I'll just uh, remind you of some of them now while we sit here. Uh, the Bear Winch Project. Uh, <laughs> the um, let's see, what were some uh, uh, Alabama Jones and the Busty Crusade? The so is a porn director. The Da Vinci Coed. Uh, and where's the, uh, there's one more that I really like that I wanted to read off. Where is it? It's like the Stepford Wives. It's some, it's something that's playing off of the Stepford Wives and I can't find it. And I'm, it's upsetting me. I, I do also like the Devil Wears Nada. That's a good huh. one. And, uh, yeah, I can't find whatever the Stepford Wives one was. Go back and listen to our last episode if you really want to know, because we talked about it there. So, quite the interesting career from Jim Wynorski. This is, I guess, sort of in his children's film uh, period, because he made original Munchie in 92, and then he made Munchie Strikes Back in 94, um, while also making a film, uh, Little Miss Millions, which seems to be a children's film in 93. Okay. Uh, so it, some, some of his, some of, uh, these children's films thrown in with his normal fare. Uh, so Jim's back in the seat. Surprisingly, given the fact of how much of a downgrade in, you know, not only horniness, but overall, you know, raunchy filmmaking, raunchiness and filmmaking, uh, this movie's a step down. So I'm surprised that Jim is still in control. Maybe he just got a little lazy is what I'm thinking. Uh, in terms of or, cat, or maybe he just jacked off before he wrote this one. Yeah, maybe, maybe so the thoughts were like right up front, you know. Yeah, maybe he was. Uh, maybe he was a little more clear-minded. Uh, in terms of cast, headed, if you will. Sure, sure. I get. Ah, I get it. More like em- empty-headed. Empty head, empty. Yeah, uh, and not the one on your neck. Uh, I will say, let's. I'm gonna go ahead and just bite bite the bullet and get the bad news out while we're sitting here austin uh dom deloise does not return as the voice of munchie oh no unfortunately i guess mr deloise was just too uh too big of a name to 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 pay for in our munchie sequel uh so he has been replaced by howard hessman who doesn't really sound anything like Dom DeLuise. I mean, I don't. no one really does besides people who can do an impression. Uh, so <laughs> that's not surprising, but still definitely a step down. Doesn't have that kind of warm, uh, you know, goofy guy charm of Dom DeLuise. Right. Um, so we have Howard Hessman, who is mainly a kind of career uh, TV actor. He was a mainstay characters on sitcoms like um wkrp in in cincinnati he was the teacher on the classic sitcom head of the class uh he is the teacher of said class um he is also in uh just a wide career across television um you know he's done movies as well he was in the sequel the police academy 2 their first assignment uh police academy a film we've seen uh, he was also apparently, according to this, I'm assuming in some sort of, uh, smaller role, uh, in Spinal Tap. Uh, so, you know, he's a well, uh, he's a well-trod, well-experienced comedic actor, both in TV and film. Um, but he's no Dom DeLuise and it definitely hurts the, it, it doesn't feel, it's, it's one reason why Munchie does not feel like Munchie in this movie. 
Yeah. And other roles, I will say we do have some returning faces from the original Munchie, but in different roles. So it's a little bit of a cameo situation. We have Ace Mask, who played, if you remember, the uh, the strict principal in the original Munchie. He's back in a little bit of a cameo role as a neighbor character we'll get to named Mr. Poindexter. What a name. Uh, yes, very on the nose. And then Angus Scrim, who I mentioned last time, of course, mainly known for his role as the villain character in the Phantasm series. Last time he played a Undertaker character without any real lines. This time he's back as a very interesting character that definitely adds to the Munchie lore, and we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, there are a couple other recurring people, mainly in side roles. Uh, but then the biggest, the only, uh, or actually there are two, but uh, a big character in terms of same character, same actor returning is Andrew Stevens in the role of Shelby Carlisle. And you'll remember he was the asshole uh, boyfriend doctor of the mother in Munchie 1. Oh, yeah. The, our, our villain of Munchie 1. He is returning here in Munchie 2, playing the same role. And then we also have a small cameo from the child actor who played Gabe, the main child, in Munchie, the original. He actually appears at the beginning of this movie as well. Okay. Uh, then we have some... People who the main kid is just a seemingly well uh, versed child actor from that time. He starred in I noteworthy. He starred in the Skateboard Kid two, uh, oh. a movie I believe was covered on Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst at some point. Unless I'm thinking of the Skateboard Kid one, oh, but it's it, it's them. about a it's about a kid who gets a magic talking flying skateboard. So very Munchie esque. So uh, he was in Munchie Strikes Back and then also uh, Skateboard Kid 2. So he's very much uh, a player of the uh, children's film about a magic talking thing sequel. Uh, And then in the role of the mother, because it's very much similar in a a single mother and child dynamic, uh, a lady named Leslie Ann Dowd plays the mother character in this movie. Uh, And she, I believe she's a British, yes, British actress. Um, you can tell because she has an accent and it seems according to her IMDb, she acted in a lot of period dramas throughout the seventies, eighties, nineties. And then in recent years has been in a lot of, uh, not great looking, uh, straight to DVD, straight to streaming movies, including 2015's Absolution starring Steven Seagal. Oh, so those are our care, our cast for this episode for this Munchie sequel. Um, do you have any other questions about this film, Austin? Or are you ready just to to find out about Munchie? I'm ready to, to hop right into it. All right. Well, brace yourself, Austin, because it's not going to be as fun and clean as uh, it's not going to be as uh, as as easy writing seas or as fun as our munchy original film uh this oh. sequel is is as i said a little bit of a disappointment so uh don't get your hopes up uh, okay. but keep them tempered and we will venture into munchy strikes back So we, 
same production company as uh, Munchie Number One. It is uh, what is it called? Like Family Home Video or something? Yeah, Family mm-hmm. Entertainment. Wow, so, what a name. Same same company. So over their logo, we got our fun little Munchie theme song, which I will say, the moment it started playing, I was immediately like, oh yeah, that's the Munchie theme song. Like, So it's a fairly like decent little memorable uh, theme for Munchie, a uh, little uh, ditty, if you will. Yeah. So we open, we like our cut, we cut straight into the action, very similar to the first film. If you remember in the first film, it opened with uh, a like a truck speeding down the road uh, with Munchie and a crate to bury him in the abandoned mine. Uh, this movie, very much the same, opens immediately into action at what what we are told by a banner is Ronald Reagan High School, uh, where, there, where Munchie is standing on a stage and he instructs everyone to get the party started, where uh, it seems everyone suddenly breaks into party, uh, the band that, that Munchie seems to have connections to from the first film is playing on stage. Uh, it, it cuts to, like, the inside of the school, and, like, someone, uh, like, smashes the, like, loudspeaker on the wall, and then someone, like, swings by on a rope, and there are, like, children running through the hall, like, tossing papers into the air. Uh, there's a child riding, like, a dirt bike through the hallway. Oh my god. Back outside, the band's playing on stage. Uh, people are partying, jumping around. We see Munchie, uh, and I will go ahead and discuss this right now and get it out of the way. I can't tell you what exactly it is. I thought there was some huge difference, but I went back, and they actually aren't that similar. They seem to be about the same in their mobility. But for some reason, in this film, the Munchie puppet looks ten times worse than the original it it looks 10 times less convincing and i thought the puppet in the first one maybe like moved more or was more convincing no in the first film he still very much is just like his arms move and his head and eyes move um and i thought his legs moved but i guess i was misremembering but still there's something about this puppet where i don't know if it's the filmmaking if they were just worse at framing him and filming it in a way to make him look more lifelike and realistic in where they positioned and moved him. Uh, But in this film, the problem is I feel like in this opening scene and then like the next two or three times we see Munchie, they, they have him almost intent, obviously intentionally, but very, uh, very like, uh, very like out in front of you, out in the open intentionally have the munchie puppet like in front of like curtains or like a chair so they can oh. very easily like you know control the arms and the mouth from behind the curtain oh i don't like that so like on stage at this big party at the high school he's like directly in front of like the split in a curtain so that like you know whoever's controlling the puppet is right behind you or right behind the uh, the curtain so like instead of it having wires or something, it's just like right. Well, in the first movie, from what I went back and scrolled through, they did better at you know having the Munchie puppet positioned in more natural uh, positions, and even though the legs didn't move, they would move the whole body to make him appear if he was moving. And overall, yeah. it just seemed like they had a better technique at making this puppet more convincingly uh, alive than in this movie where it's very much like Munchie is very like stationary. He's like placed in a place and then his arms and head move. Uh, And it's very clear like where they're puppeteering him from. And it's very clear that like he cannot move on his own uh, because the legs are not, you know, puppeteered. Um, So they just overall, (laughs) 
and the puppet itself looks worse. <laughs> like the, uh, the the face, the like skin tone on the face looks like either either they uh, left the puppet, like either they like somehow in the two years between these first and this movie, uh, they lost the original one and had to make a new one that's like worse quality, or they like had the same puppet but they didn't take care of it and so it got kind of like shitty oh, because God. like the the like the face and like he looks a lot less like detailed and real as he did in the first one. It's very much more like rubbery and fake looking. His hair on top of the puppet uh, on its head is all like it, it always looks kind of like matted and messy as opposed to the first <laughs> film where it like actually was like you know looked like they had been taken care of. Uh, so like overall like a way worse munchy performance of the puppet in this film anyway back to where i was so munchie's on stage and everyone's at the school partying and who is next to munchie but uh gabe or gage i'm sorry gage from the first movie who was the young boy in the first movie he's it's clear it's the same actor and he's definitely aged his voice is deeper and he's like taller he's more of an adolescent now uh and i guess we're we're, we're supposed to infer if you remember from the end of Munchie One, he leaves with the uh, like uh, mad scientist uh, professor character who lived next door to go on like a trip to South America. But he said he would be back, so I guess Munchie came back from that. And him and him and Gage have been hanging out for you know what one could assume is the intermediate time between the two movies. Um, and so Gage and Munchie are on stage. Gage asks, like, did you get the finale ready? And Munchie's like, oh, yeah, of course I did. Um, and uh, he points to a, like, giant, comically large, uh, like, demolition plunger box, you know, with the handle that you press down uh, oh. that says, like, Acme Explosives on the front. Um, oh and, and Gage says something like, um, oh, wow, this is like a crazy party. And Munchie says, uh, oh, you should have seen, uh, what I did, what I did at Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> um, oh my God. so, but anyway, so Munchie decide for the finale, he moves over and they press the big giant plunger explosive detonator down and the literally blow up the school. Oh, the, so the school in this background uh, explodes, is blown up. I looked on IMDb. Apparently, this footage was taken from another movie that either Jim Wynorski directed or he was a producer and writer on. I can't remember. So it's like recycled footage. But like, you know, I, I couldn't tell in this scene anyway. Uh, they fairly well uh, integrated it in. But like, I'm not kidding. They literally like blow up the school building. Uh, and so first off, I want to say... It's very clear they did this as a, uh, a political stance against Ronald Reagan. And this is only the first of several digs against Ronald Reagan this movie takes. So uh, oh. Munchie, Munchie is, engaging in, is engaging in some direct action uh, activism. Munchie and Ted Kaczynski would get along, it seems like. Right. Munchie's really going full uh, militant uh, opposition. He's blow, he blows up a building. Uh, but obviously, uh, and then he's, then he's, you know, cheering and he says, all right, now, now we head to the DMV. The DMV is next. So they're going to go blow up the DMV next. Oh my God. But before he can, suddenly there's a lightning strike across the sky and Munchie is, uh, teleported off. He, he turns into the little ball of light and floats up into the, up into the sky, up into the space, up into the heavens. And when he finally reappears, he's been taken to a seemingly heaven 
like set you know it's got your classic yeah. kind of curtains and clouds and uh there munchie is sitting in kind of a throne while a man is kind of looking down at him from a large podium this is the character uh angus scrim plays uh and so munchie is told he has been teleported to the astral plane uh, which he says, oh, wow, I haven't been here in a long time. Uh, there seemed to be a group of people waiting behind or standing behind a little velvet rope uh, in between Munchie and uh, Angus Scrim's character, and they include Elvis, uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, Colonel Sanders, Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> and Cleopatra. Uh, and so uh, Angus Scrim's character introduces himself to Munchie as... Kronos, master of time and space and oh. he has brought munchie here because he munchie blowing up the school has is the final straw munchie uh has been causing too much chaos with his parties obviously as we remember from the first film munchie loves to throw big crazy parties and obviously he just blew up a school at one so continuing that trend uh chronos cites how munchie uh caused the sinking of atlantis with one of his parties and also uh somehow caused the explosion of the hindenburg holy shit so munchie has a has a uh, wake and trail of of bodies uh in his in his uh path behind him so, uh, basically, Kronos has brought Munchie here. He's upset, and he is ready to punish Munchie by uh, sending him to a constellation to be stuck forever, like, in, I guess, in, in some form of purgatory or prison in uh, a constellation. However, first, uh, he, he confers with his forum, which are the aforementioned dead famous people, However, Elvis and the others seem to have a familiarity with Munchie and seem to like him. So they plead in Munchie's favor and say, you know, oh, he's not that bad of a guy. And, you know, they all seem on the pro-Munchie side. So due to their leniency, uh, Kronos says, fine, uh, you're going to go back to Earth on probation uh, and I'll be watching you. I'm sending you back to Earth to help another family. Um... And this time, no parties allowed. And, you know, you got to watch yourself because, you know, if you mess up, we're going to banish you. So uh, Munchie is sent back to Earth to help a new family. Uh, meanwhile, we see at a big uh, skyscraper business place, uh, this Dr. Carlisle, the evil boyfriend doctor, I said again, of the first movie. He now seems to have moved from, I believe in the first movie, he was some sort of doctor scientist at a... Uh, at a testing lab in at a university or something. Now he seems to be the president of uh, the Carlisle Company, obviously named after himself. Yeah. I guess, you know, given that he's a doctor and it is, you know, he is called doctor in the movie, uh, I guess we could assume it's some sort of pharmaceutical company or medical supply, something related to pharmaceutical or, or, or uh, health in some way. Uh, obviously at the end of the first movie, he crashed into a donut restaurant in his car during the car chase and was arrested. Uh, clearly he's been able to move on from that and now seems to be running a successful business. Well, good for him. He, uh, calls in a, uh, a lady, a, a woman who seem, I believe she's some sort of accountant or something, uh, is what her job is. And basically he begins explaining to her how, you know, 
he only wants the best you know uh, running a company is like running a baseball team and you only want the best players on your team um and she asks is the rumors true that that you're moving the company to mexico and he says yes we're moving the company to mexico city in the next year uh but first we need to get things ready and i actually have to go on a trip to mexico city to uh figure out some logistics and he invites this uh woman employee along the way he invites her to come with uh him to mexico city and begins basically creeping on her she she declines after learning that it would just be the two of them and says she's not really interested despite his you know trying to sell it you know how it would be nice and you know all of these nice things about mexico city but she she basically despite his sexual harassment and literally trying to like kiss and grope her she she outright denies uh and um rejects him literally pushes him over his desk chair and he falls on the floor and he's angry uh and walks out of the office uh no surprise later while at her desk she gets a pink slip and has been fired uh for not playing along with dr carlisle's uh harassment oh great meanwhile we cut to her son chris chris uh is at baseball practice um for his junior high team and uh we learned that they have to get ready because tomorrow they're playing a rival team the quote hillside stranglers uh which if you don't know the, the hillside strangler is a name given to uh multiple uh serial killers who were active in los angeles for in the 1970s late 1970s so that's a fun little uh reference to a mur- it's pretty pretty fucked up bit of trivia it it makes i really want us to start a softball team you know just like amateur softball team called the unabombers yeah no absolutely uh so yeah so they're gonna they gotta play this rival team this hillside stranglers and chris our main kid he's having trouble at batting hitting the ball he's striking out his teammate brett who is pitching is kind of teasing and taunting and bullying him uh but everyone kind of seems uh fed up with brett's uh harassment of 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 chris um so after practice and after chris has basically kind of failed at practice despite brett excelling at it and hitting a hitting a home run in practice uh chris is consoled by his fellow teammate uh jennifer who's who's a girl that he seems to like because he then asks her to the dance uh tomorrow night however she's already going with brett so uh so chris is chris is dejected by the fact that uh that seemingly talented uh brett is has already is already taking jennifer to the dance um so meanwhile the mother gets back to the house or gets to the house for the first time we see the house where outside she is pestered by the aforementioned uh mr poindexter their kind of weird uh obnoxious neighbor who's complaining at her about um the lawn care and the sprinklers are getting on his special prized flowers and he's very uh, annoying and upset about that while his little dog barks at the mother the whole time so after kind of finally getting rid of him uh, and his pestering the dog keeps barking at the mother the tiny it's a tiny little like yappy poodle and it keeps barking at the mother so she literally kicks it and it runs off 
Oh my god. She doesn't, like, punt it, but she, like, kicks it, and then it kind of, like, scurries off. Um, so, I don't know why they decided to put that in the kids' movie, but, uh, so there it is. So, Chris kind of can sense something is wrong with his mom, who was fired, but she has she isn't telling him. She's, she's trying to make everything seem normal. Uh, so that night, Chris is in his room. He's looking at a picture of his dead dad and is sad about it. Outside his window, he sees... Uh, Brett and Jennifer walking home as Jennifer is his neighbor. And of course he's sad about that. And he's sad that, Oh, everybody likes Brett cause he's, you know, so talented and his parents have money, uh, and you know, all this stuff. So, so, so Chris is feeling very, uh, outcast and, and, you know, left out. So just in the nick of time, Munchie arrives to Chris. Uh, of course, this time Munchie is literally on the window seal right in front of the curtains again, so they can puppeteer him. Also, you can literally see in these shots in this scene where Munchie, uh, the puppet, it's like mount is his feet are like mounted on like a little board uh, yeah. at, at the bottom, you know, for stability. And they literally don't even try to hide it. Like you can see the little like plaque board thing that the puppet is mounted on, on at the feet. Uh, they didn't even try to hide it in this in this one shot or part of the scene. So Munchie, damn. go ahead. I said, "Damn." Yeah. So yeah. Munchie appears to to Chris, and I gotta say, this movie uh, does not spend as much time on the whole. Like, it spends basically no time on uh, Chris. Chris, unlike Gage in the first movie, does not like get a get kind of like scared or weirded out and run away or you know there's it's not overly like uh it's the movie's basically like you know who he is already uh so so we're gonna have our main character uh not really take a lot of convincing or explanation as to who munchie is either so you know munchie basically like introduces himself really shortly uh and then suddenly disappears when the mom walks in the room uh you know chris is like there was a thing in my room and the mom thinks he's just imagining it uh and she scolds chris about um, you know, cleaning up his room. Um, and so Munchie, you know, Munchie appears back when the mom leaves and he cleans up the room, uh, magically making everything in its place. So basically immediately, uh, Chris is just a hundred percent cool with Munchie, uh, without very much convincing, like in the span of like less than two or three minutes, they're, they're, they're on good terms. Um, so, you know, basically, um, you know they they start talking about stuff munchie's like i can make i can get anything you want and and literally the first thing chris asks for is like well my dad died last year can you bring back my dad and munchie munchie's like oh uh shit uh geez sorry kid uh i can only deal with things that are that are in the world that are that are you know exist in this reality so uh so so can't bring the dead dad back but um Munchie does make this big, you know, so Chris lists off this huge, big, expensive gaming rig that Munchie makes appear. It's, you know, one of those huge, you know, remember before like flat plasma screen TVs, flat screens, they had those giant like box TVs that were like the size of a dresser. Uh, I know, I've had to help move those and shit. Right, so so Munchie makes that appear, as well as some, like, fancy chairs and, like, a, a fancy, like, steering control thing. And, uh, Ga- and I keep wanting to say Gage, because that's the kid from the first movie. Chris starts playing the video game, which, fun note, this movie's produced by Roger Corman. So he starts playing a game called Death Wraith 2000, which was a movie directed by Roger Corman in the 
when I say 70s, it might be late 60s, but I think 70s. Uh, so they literally are just using, like, stock footage of the driving from that game to be the video game footage. But then uh, Chris is like, uh, wow, it's so real. And Munchie's like, I can make it realer. So then he zaps him into Death Race 2000, and now Chris is driving the car. And, you know, they, we it's like a five-minute scene then of, like, it, you know, cutting to Chris and Munchie in the car from Death Race 2000, and then cutting oh. out, and all the footage of, like, the car driving and like getting attacked by a plane and all this stuff is all just like footage from death race 2000 to the point yeah. where like you can see the stunt driver from the movie in the car uh so <laughs> but then it like cuts in these reaction shots of, of of chris and munchie driving in the car so they have this fun little adventure driving the car uh then chris brings him back home and you know chris is basically like uh wow you know munchie you're amazing you can make anything appear that i want uh and Munchie's like, yeah, I'll just uh, transport it here from the mall. So Munchie isn't making these things like magically appear out of nowhere. Like the first movie, if you remember when he stole the pizza and literally made it fly across town from a pizza restaurant at the behest yeah. of an angry chef. Uh, he literally is just like teleporting things from the mall. So Munchie's just steals shit with teleportation. I love that. So uh, he, so Chris is like, you can make anything I want appear. And Munchie's like, yeah, so you're Donald Trump, okay? Oh my god. So, uh, that's our uh, first, uh, as we've already mentioned the Reagan stuff, here's another, um, moment of, uh, that's another moment of Chris, uh, of, of this movie bringing up, uh, a president, actually, oh yeah, no, I'll get to that in a moment. So, yeah, so you're Donald Trump, okay? Uh, then Chris asks for a bunch of shit, you know, literally, like, covering his room with, with merchandise from the mall video games and toys and cool stuff they wake up the next morning uh and chris is like wow this is a ton of stuff we gotta make it disappear before my mom comes in here and he's like i guess i don't really even want all this stuff now that i can have it anyway uh can you make all this stuff disappear and munchie this is a quote again uh i only know one magic word to get rid of everything you own reaganomics oh my god so this movie is like going hard for Reagan and it does. There's one more moment later on we'll get to. So uh, that he says, you know, making that after making that joke, he disappears all the stuff in the room, returning it to the mall. So, uh, you know, later we see Chris having to mow the lawn before his uh, his baseball game. Uh, Munchie comes out and Chris is like, I have to do this before I leave. And, you know, it, it'll take forever. So Munchie makes the lawnmower uh, act automatically automatically so the lawnmower starts mowing the lawn itself until it kind of uh breaks loose uh on autopilot and uh you know drives into the uh annoying neighbor's yard and you know drives over all his flowers until it finally like crashes into him and his dog and there's a big goofy smoke cloud and the neighbor gets mad and chris you know stands there you know oh ho, ho, what a good joke um so meanwhile, uh, the bully, uh, oh, sorry. No, I, this actually happens before the, so the mower's mowing the lawn on autopilot. The bully actually rides up on like a motorized bike, like not like a motorcycle, but like a little like scootery motorcycle thing. Uh, yeah. as, as the neighbor girl is talking to Chris, Jennifer is talking to Chris. Uh, and so she, uh, hops on and rides off with Brett uh, the rich kind of bully kid. So obviously Chris is bummed about that again. Uh, but meanwhile, he realizes the lawnmower breaks loose. It, it runs into the neighbor and all that goofy stuff. Um, we then cut to 
the baseball game where uh, so we have the str- the Hillside Stranglers, which turns out they're coached by uh, doc- evil Doctor Carlisle, and his son is on the team. So uh, you know they it's obviously they're very competitive at being Doctor Carlisle's team, and he's an asshole. So you know at first they're really starting to crush uh, the team Chris's team. Uh, they go up multiple points in the first inning. Uh, there's actually a fun, the coach character for Chris's team, he's like constantly drinking bottled Cokes. Uh, and he's very like, kind of like gruff. And, uh, is, for instance, um, you know, Dr. Kylo comes to basically like brag to the coach and not, not, he doesn't actually say fuck off, but he basically is like crotchety and, and, and says fuck off to Carlisle. Um, so, uh, you know, Chris is already, uh, kind of messing up he accidentally drops a pop fly and the strangers up the stranglers are up by a lot in the first inning uh we then get to a montage and they're playing the game and it's fairly close but it's still the the chris's team is still doing like kind of clearly uh not as good as they need to be there's even they, they there's, there's a shot of of like uh, chris or someone like missing it you know striking out and the coach literally takes a drink from like a liquor bottle i think it's like a joke because like they cut it in where all the other shots he's like taking drinks from a glass coke bottle and then in this just one shot it's very clearly like a like a liquor bottle um, so that's oh a, that's a fun bit. Um, I love that. so, uh, anyway, um, uh, so it's fairly close, uh, and it's towards the end of the game. The, uh, Chris's team are down to the stranglers seven to 10. Um, Chris is, it's, Chris goes to get the coach another Coke from inside the vending machine in the locker room. Um, so while he's in the locker room, Munchie appears to him and basically, you know, he's, Chris gets Munchie, uh, to, you know, to say, okay, when you go back out there, I'll, I'll help you out, kid. I'll, I'll make you a, make you a big hit. You know, how do you think Babe Ruth did it? And, you know, so again, Munchie, you know, humble bragging, name dropping his connections. Um, and so, uh, you know, while in the locker room, uh, talking to Munchie, uh, Dr. Carlisle stumbles in and he, he sees Chris talking to Munchie and obviously Dr. Carlisle remembers Munchie who he tried to capture in the first film. And he's like, oh, wow, it's, it's Munchie. And, you know, of course, when he tries to go and sneak up on them to get Munchie, Chris has already left and Munchie has teleported away and he falls into a barrel of dirty, uh, you know, towels or whatever. But outside, uh, you know, the game being so close, Dr. Carlisle tries, you know, is like threatening his team. It's like, you guys got to win. You know, what are you? He says, he says, what are you? A bunch of Mabas boys or something even worse? Because one of the kids is like standing somewhat like effeminately. And so mm-hmm. I believe he, I believe he said something like this in the first film to Gage's mother about Gage saying he, you know, he, he's too much of a mama's boy or something even worse. So, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Doc, Dr. Carlisle is just a, uh, a rampant raging, uh, homophobe. Uh, it's like the worst thing a, a child could be to him. So he basically, they, they go out and he basically instructs his son. He says, you know, oh, their pitcher Brett without him, you know, will you will definitely get some hits and, and win this game. I want you to go out and, and when you bat at bat and, and literally like hit the ball directly into, into their pitcher, Brett. Uh, and the son is like, you know, doesn't want to. And Dr. Carlisle is like, I'll give you a doubt, you know, 
two hundred dollars in your allowance and so uh you know he go he goes out you know takes out brett literally like just like you know beams him with a ball uh when he when he's at bat uh so brett's taking out taking out his pitcher uh the coach you know goes to call his parents to get him to take him home because uh, he's you know got hit with a baseball in his chest uh so chris is in to pitch and of course, he uses uh, Munchie helps him out and you know gives him magic pitching. So he throws like an incredibly fast pitch that literally knocks his catcher over, and then he throws a screwball that like you know flies around in the air, and then he throws a, a pitch so quick that like the batter doesn't even see it, uh, you know. And then he throws like a uh, another pitch to to the next batter, and it literally is like it, it flies around in the air, and the the batter just keeps trying to hit it. And so the ref is, or the umpire is like, uh, you know, strike four, strike five, strike six. <laughs> um, so Chris strikes out, you know, all the, the, the team. So now it's the, you know, bottom of whatever inning. And Chris's team has to, you know, score enough points to, to, to win and come back from their three-point deficit. And so Chris goes up to bat with the bases loaded. Uh, and, uh, you know, having seen him pitch... Dr. Carlisle tells his son, you know, this kid's too unpredictable. Just walk him. However, the son on the field, uh, Dr. Carlisle's son is like, I'm tired of you telling me what to do, dad. I'm going to strike him out and prove you wrong. So he nice. tries to strike out Chris. But of course, Chris has Munchie's powers. So he literally uh, hits the ball out of the park. It's a home run. And we even cut to a shot of the earth and the ball is like wrapping around the earth. Okay. Uh and so, uh, you know, bases loaded plus the person at bat, that's four points. So, uh, Chris's team wins 11 to 10. Uh, of course, Dr. Kyle is, you know, all upset and, you know, uh, his son's like, I don't even care, dad. I don't, I never even wanted to play this game. I never wanted you to coach us. I don't even like baseball. Uh, so he quits. And then also the ball finally drops back from out of orbit or wherever and hits Dr. Kyle directly on the head and knocks that's him out. Perfect. So, meanwhile, back at the house, the mom is on the phone with the bank, and she seems to not be able to afford the house payments anymore. Of course, now the dad died a year ago, and now she's lost her job, and she can't afford the loans, and there's all these issues, so she might be losing the house. Um, Chris gets home, tells his mom about winning and all that, and uh, he, you know, the mom still won't tell Chris if there's something wrong. Yeah. Uh, Chris is, decides to go to the dance because he gets a call on the phone from uh, Jennifer, the, the girl on his team and from next door. And she was going to go with Brett, but of course Brett got hurt at the baseball game. So his parents are making him stay home to rest and, and from his injury. So now Jennifer is free. So now Chris go, is going to go to the dance with her. Uh, Munchie basically gets Chris... Uh, decked out and ready for the dance in a tuxedo with a Rolex. Uh, and then he turns the, the, the family station wagon into a limo. And then in, 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 in the most uncomfortable moment, Munchie turns himself into a human limo driver. Which, oh, no. just the implication of Munchie being able to alter his anatomy and shapeshift into a human... Uh, is, is, I don't know, I find that concerning to some degree, and I don't like it. Uh, so... Yeah, I have to imagine him looking like... Him looking like a person is weird. I mean, he's just like a regular guy with... At first, he okay. has, like, black uh, makeup painted on his nose because Munchie has a little black nose. But it's yeah. just the implication of Munchie being able to transform himself into, like, a human or anything he want. Meaning, like, you know, 
he can have he can have sex if you want it i guess oh yeah with a human uh which is weird uh, i don't know why but it's weird to me anyway that he has can turn himself into a human he has those powers anyway um so uh you know they take uh you know he picks up jennifer and you know they go to they drive to the dance and she's all impressed because it's a limo and everything um but once they get to the dance we cut and we see uh chris is you know telling everyone about how he won the baseball game and how he how it was you know all him and he did such a good job and uh uh, we see, we can tell from her face that Jennifer is getting kind of like fed up and annoyed by all of Chris's bragging. Uh, and she tells him this and says, you know, every, we all had to do our part on the team. It wasn't just you. And you know, that's the fifth time you've told that story. Uh, you're being arrogant and all this kind of stuff and walks off. So, uh, back inside, uh, back at the dance, Chris kind of walks off into the corner and, you know, is telling Munchie, like, I don't get why she's upset. Uh, you know, I thought people would like me. You know, I, I, you know, I thought having all these nice things, like I had money and being, you know, talented would, would make everyone like me. And Munchie's yeah. like, that's not how it always works. People, you know, you got to understand how, what people think. And so, uh, to, to do that, Munchie gives Chris the power to read others' minds Oh no! Uh, to try to help him like say the right things, so he goes back out and basically like everyone he talks to is annoyed by him. Like he goes and talks to the coach, who's like a chaperone, and he's like, "Geez, this kid, you know, throws one strike, you know, does well in one game, and he thinks he's Barry Bonds or whatever." And he, basically, like everyone he goes up to talk to is thinking, "Like God, this kid's annoying. He's so full of himself and all this." Except for the one girl who says like nice things to him. Uh, while talking and isn't like okay i gotta go uh the one girl who actually is like interested and wants to like you know take wants him to take her home uh is only in when he reads her mind she's just thinking wow his parents must have a lot of money like she's like a gold digger uh so so chris is like obviously upset he walks outside to to munchie in the limo and munchie you know has munchie turn off the uh the you know mind reading powers and basically he's learned his lesson about you know oh just having money and being popular or being talented doesn't make everyone actually like you you have to be a you know chill person and all that kind of stuff so uh, later at home, uh, the mom finally tells Chris, uh, what's going on and how she lost her job and now she can't make the house payment because she can't get the loan she needs because, um, it's like job dependent and she's, you know, doesn't have job. So they owe $20,000, which, uh, later Chris explains to Munchie and Munchie's like, I can't just make it suddenly appear. It's not that easy. I have to figure out some way to, to make the money appear get to you guys so munchie goes to work on that meanwhile we see dr carlisle who goes to this uh basically like it's like some sort of evil spooky museum and has like a character basically tell him what we learned about munchie in the first movie that you know he's an ancient entity that was a race before humans and has magic powers etc etc the scene isn't really of any uh, you know it basically, Dr. Carlyle is like, oh, I really want Munchie because everyone he ever knew had, you know, fame and power and, you know, money. So he wants he wants Munchie so that he can become, you know, powerful. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so when Chris and his mother wake up the next morning, all of a sudden, 
um, or it might be that night, I can't remember, all of a sudden, it's literal cash just starts to rain down on their house. Like, like just copious amounts of cash is raining on their house. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, as it's raining, Munchie, Munchie's like sitting in Chris's room at the window and he goes, I don't know, that's what I call trickle down economics. Um, so, <laughs> so the next day they're literally, so not only is that like, like at this point, four Reagan references, but two of them are specifically about trickle down. Right. And mo and pretty much all of them, except this one, which is more just like a pun. All the other three are like explicitly kind of like negative, yeah. <laughs> like fuck you Reagan references. Um, anyway, uh, so the next day as the mom is literally like raking the cash with, uh, with a rake and putting it in garbage bags, um, there's like a news lady there. I, I do like the joke where, where when she's like signing off at the end, she says, you know, I'm from, this is channel five, uh, limited attention span news. Oh, same. Uh, so anyway, um, we cut as, as you know, and the mom explains, wow, it's, it's close to $20,000, which is exactly what we needed, uh, to, to be able to pay for our, you know, pay off our house. Um, we then cut to a very weird scene where it's basically just Dr. Carlisle saying what we already knew where, oh, I want to get munchies. So I'll then be powerful. But then he like turns to the camera and he's like, or my name isn't whatever Carlisle. And you can bet on that kids. Like he's talking to the audience, like breaking the fourth wall, but it's not like for a joke or anything. It's just this one weird scene where he does. Uh, so I don't, I didn't really get that scene. It, it was very strange. Um, uh, back at the house, a guy from like the treasury department, who's like a treasury agent shows up and he's basically like, uh, you know, just from how weird this situation is, we we're not, I'm not arresting you or anything. I just want to, you know, get, take you back to our office and get a statement. And I'm also going to take, we also need to take all the money with us so we can like make sure that it's real and not counterfeit or something. Um, so Chris and the mom, uh, go with this treasury department guy. Meanwhile, after they leave and the house is house is left alone, uh, Dr. Carlisle arrives and he breaks into the house to try to capture Munchie. Uh, however, while he's Smart. he's in Chris's room looking under the bed, uh, Munchie puts firecrackers in his pants, uh, yeah. and so his ass explodes, and then he uses marbles to make him slip in the hall and fall down the stairs, and then when he's at the bottom of the stairs, he drops a bowling ball on his head. Nice. So, uh, by all means, you know, of human anatomy, Dr. Carlisle should be dead, especially from a bowling ball being dropped from, you know, a, a story high onto his head. Uh, or at least knocked out, like seriously concussed, uh, but yeah, he's not. Fuck you up. So, you know, he's chasing Munchie and he chases him into the kitchen. Munchie covers the doctor's face in whipped cream in a very phallic moment. Uh, nice. you know, it just covers his face in cream. Uh, the doctor accidentally touches an electrical plug and electrocutes himself. Again, he should be knocked out or dead. Uh, but then finally, uh, he knocks Munchie out by, uh, the like vegetable fruit thing holder that's like hanging in the kitchen. He knocks a bunch of potatoes onto Munchie's head. So he knocks Munchie out, uh, stuffs him inside a garbage bag and uh, runs out of the house right as outside the mom and Chris and the treasury guy are pulling back up. And uh, the treasury guy's like, I'm, I'm sorry that it all turned out to be, uh, you know, counterfeit bills. Uh, 
you know, this counterfeiting ring we had been watching, uh, they were making a big, uh, they were transporting all the money last night in their plane. And when they caught wind that we were watching them, I guess they dumped it all out and it landed in your yard. Um, and so, you know, obviously the mom's upset cause it's like, I needed that money to, to help pay for my house. But the treasury guy's like, well, actually we're the treasury department here is expanding and we need to hire a bunch of people, uh, specifically for accounting. That's what you said your job was. Right. And she's like, oh, really? You, you think you'll hire me? I get to be a treasury agent. And so it's like, oh, yay. So they didn't get, she didn't get the money, but it was all part of Munchie's plan. Cause now she can get a job and still nice. get the loan or whatever. I mean, acting like, acting like being able to having a job so that you can apply for a loan is the same as, uh, just $20,000 Scott free to pay off your house. Uh, yeah, not, not exactly, not the exactly the same, but I mean, you know, it's a children's movie logic. So I, I guess it's fine. Um, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, it was like a, like a teach a man to fish kind of moment. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, I would think though, for someone like Munchie who, you know, so anti Reagan, he'd be fine with, uh, just stealing $20,000 and giving it to the mom. But then yeah, I guess they would like, I guess they would be able to like, figure out that the money the mom had was stolen somehow even right. though she didn't steal it from serial numbers but whatever um but anyway right as all this is happening outside of course dr carlisle covered in uh whipped cream and and you know electrocuted looking and you know his pants falling apart from the firecrackers that exploded in them he runs out of the house carrying the garbage bag and obviously munchie has woken up because he's now inside being like hey who turned off the lights or whatever let yeah. me out of here. Uh, so as he runs past, um, you know, obviously like the mom and the, this treasury department guy are like confused. They're like, what, who the heck is that? What is he doing? Uh, but Chris obviously is like, um, Oh no, he's, he's, he's got, he's got munchie. We gotta, we gotta follow him. And the mom and the treasury guy are like, wait, what, what is he doing? He's got munchie. We gotta follow him. And they're basically like immediately like, okay all right and the treasury guy's like okay get in my car i'll follow him <laughs> it takes very little convincing to follow this random man run i guess you know regardless of the situation if a crazed looking man runs out of your house with a bag you know it's worth worth following but uh you know anyway they jump in the car follow dr carlisle as he speeds off with munchie um and so but munchie you know pops out of the bag once he's in the car with dr carlisle uh, whose car he's like, I can't, uh, you know, the, the, the accelerator stuck in there just keep getting faster. Uh, and Munchie's like, have you tried the brake? And he tries the brake and the brake seems to be cut or not working. So Munchie has made his car, you know, <laughs> cut his brakes and stuck his accelerators with his magic. God. Uh, so, you know, they're like speeding down the road. And apparently this car footage, I, I looked it up. This is taken from another Jim Wynorski movie. So again, they're just reusing like the car chase footage and inserting the, the you know, green screen or whatever reaction shots from inside the car. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're speeding down the road. While they're in the car, you know, the mom's like, so wait, what is this? And Chris is like, he's got Munchie. Who's Munchie? Oh, he's this... He's this little, that imaginary thing you said was imaginary. He's not, he's real and he can, you know, make magic things happen. And, you know, as the mom starts to question it and be like, Chris, you're, this isn't, I can't believe this. This isn't true. The treasury guy, Todd is literally like, wait, Munchie. I, I remember Munchie. I knew him when I was a kid. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and that's like all the convincing it takes. The mom's like, oh, okay, I guess he's real. What the hell? Um, 
<laughs> so so uh you know without ever you know at least in the first movie it's very sudden uh but like they saw munchie like the mom and the the girl and her dad like see munchie uh you know it's not it wasn't only on gage's word like they actually saw him yeah. and saw him like you know oh wow he's like this real creature but like here it's like fully on like t- this child and this strange man you hadn't met before today um so you know they're chasing after him uh, but the accelerator's still stuck, and, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Carla's like, I gotta get out of here, because then a cop starts, you know, they seize the chase, and the cop starts speeding after him, and Dr. Carlisle's like, oh, I, I, uh, I can't, I can't go back to traffic school, I already went once, um, and so, uh, you know, Munchie's like, I can actually make the car fly, um, and so... Dr. Carla is like, yes, make it fly then. He's like, all right, you said the magic word, but I'm out of here. So Munchie disappears, but instead of actually making the car fly, like the good guy's car in the first movie, uh, all of a sudden, uh, Dr. Carlyle's car, like, hits a fruit vegetable stand, flips in the air, uh, and lands, like, tumbles and, you know, big stunt effect, obviously, like I said, footage stolen from another movie. But, uh, so, like, literally, like, car, you know, flips, huge car crash accident um and uh you know the doctor is pulled out of the car then by the cops somehow he survived that crash because it looked brutal uh and you know the car the cops are you know upset they pull him out of the car and as they start to walk him away the car literally fucking explodes holy shit and 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 not having seen they didn't they he doesn't know munchie teleported out of it uh chris is like oh no munchie he's in the car but uh, Todd, this random treasury guy, again is like, if that if if Munchie's anything like the Munchie I knew, he probably got out of there before it. Uh, so, uh, you know that that is like he's probably at home right now waiting for you. So I guess you know Todd, you know this kid is like, all right, I guess I'm just gonna hope that he's not exploded and dead in a car crash. Good God, it's very much like the um reminded me of the uh, what is it um. Scrappy Doo has been found dead in Miami. Yeah. Munchie has been found dead in a car accident. Like he's this mythical being and that's all it took was a fucking car crash. Yeah. Uh anyway, uh, you know, the cops arrest the doctor and he's like, please, don't you know who I am? I'm, you know, Car Dr. Carlisle of Carlisle Industries, one of the cops is like, Oh yeah, you fired my wife and they like throw him in the car. And huh. so, you know, he's 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 done for. Um Anyway, uh, later on at the house, Munchie suddenly appears in Chris's TV set. Um, you know, he's like, oh, it's the Munchie show starring Munchie. And he's like, actually, I just came back to, to tell you goodbye, kid. I, I, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta head back to the astral plane. Um, and so, you know, he said goodbye. Uh, they say goodbye in a nice moment. And Munchie teleports back to the astral plane where, uh, Kronos, uh, right before he arrives we actually learn in in the in like this heaven the astral plane it's chris's dead dad who's like and munchie helped them he did the right thing and chronos is like yes he did that was a good choice so it's like the dead dad requested that munchie be sent to his wife and child oh my god uh and so then like the dead dad like disappears right as munchie appears um and chronos is like all right munchie you did a good job 
but you're not done yet. Your probation's not over. I got a new assignment for you. And it's a person who needs a lot of help. And Munchie's like, all right, I'm ready. Give it to me. And Cronus is like, I don't know if you can handle this one. And he, and he holds up a picture of like the person he needs help. And it's Bill Clinton. <laughs> Oh, no. And Munchie's like, oh, boy, I got my work cut out for me, but I gotta say goodbye for now. <laughs> and then it cuts to the credits. Uh, and then a uh, moment of note in the credits, it, first, it says, the Munch will return in Munchie Hangs Tin. <laughs> and then at the very end of the credits, we get a wonderful, speaking of the MCU, we get a wonderful post-credit scene where a lady with a baby carriage is chased down the street by the automatic lawnmower that I guess has still been going all on its own. And that is Munchie Strikes Back. That's intense. And we will strike back with our thoughts on Munchie Strikes Back right after this. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh yeah. I don't want to do your dirty work no more. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh yeah. All right, so Munchie Strikes Back, Austin, just having heard my recap of it, uh, what do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound as good as the first one, but it still sounds entertaining as hell. I'll say this. Like, just in how absurd it is. Right. I'll say this. In reading the plot, and maybe I did a better job than than the movie itself, in just reading what happens, it does sound a lot more entertaining than I actually felt like it was. Okay, okay. Let me explain my my issues why, you know, obviously I've said some things already, like the puppet's worse, and it's not Dom DeLuise, but um, let me go through my, like, actual plot structural problems with Munchie Strikes Back, why I feel it's not as good as Munchie, the original film. First, uh, I want to say that um, plot-wise, it feels like it has... um, I don't know. It, it, it drags. I'll say the first Munchie movie when watching it, it was very like I was engaged the whole time and like wasn't it felt a lot quicker than it was. This film, it's like an hour and 25 minutes. It felt long. It drags. It's it's quite okay. ha, quite long. It has sequences that go on for too long, like the aforementioned part where Chris and Munchie are in Death Race 2000 goes on for like three or five minutes and it feels long it's like yeah i get it they're they're in death okay go on uh and then like the baseball game like i get that you know there's there's a large section of the baseball game part that munchie isn't even in and then you know they're at the dance and you know even this car chase at the end while it's shorter it's much shorter than the one from the first movie i i think anyway uh all of it just feels like longer but also it feels underdeveloped. Everything feels less defined. I mean, like, Chris's arc ends, uh, basically, you know, at the dance, before the car chase or, or the money even happens. Uh, his, his whole little arc about learning that it's, you know, more about the person you are and not what you have or, you know, how popular you are. That, that He learns that lesson at the dance, and there's still, like, 30 minutes left. Uh oh, 
it's not and and like the brett character on his team who's like kind of harassing him at the first practice scene uh i thought brett was going to be like the main bully kind of like the two guys in the first munchie which like yeah those two characters get their comeuppance you know not um you know not at the end of the movie it happens about halfway through it's kind of like a beat but still this brett character he's kind of like set up to be this bully and then he kind of just gets hurt by like a side character and not even related to anything munchie related he's just like hurt by the son of the evil doctor guy uh you know in the baseball game it's like completely unrelated to chris or munchie and then he's out of the rest of the movie or jennifer the the love interest uh they like make up uh, at the end of, or not the end of the movie, but when like all the money stuff happens, when the money rains down, Chris makes up with her. Um, but then she's like not even in the finale. If you remember from the first movie, the, the girl played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was like the, the love interest. She's like in the chase scene. She's like active, like and involved in the finale. She's at the big party scene that Munchie, you know, happens in the first movie. Everything is much more directly related to, to Munchie, like, and his shenanigans. When in this movie, it kind of feels like things happen and Munchie's also kind of there. And sometimes he influences them, but sometimes he doesn't. Dr. Carlisle feels like they just wanted the same character from the first movie, but he, he feels very out of place. Like, he feels he, like a very strange connection. Like, you know, he fires the mom, but then he's also the baseball coach. It's like, why couldn't they choose one or the other? Because it's like, you know, and then, like, he... he yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but this movie overall just feels much less focused. Uh, yeah. The Munchie still has some okay lines that I read that I thought were funny, but the hijinks are are much. There are a lot less hijinks. The things Munchie does, if you remember in the first movie, there's a lot more like Munchie causing mischief and throwing the big party. In this movie, all Munchie does is like make some stuff appear for Chris, make him good at baseball. Uh, you know. Do turn you know Munchie doesn't cause a lot of like chaos as in it, all the things Munchie does are more like uh, fairly mundane like he makes Chris good at baseball he gives Chris a video game he causes the money to fall down uh, you know he causes Chris to be able to read minds but like in the yeah. first movie if you remember Munchie's like pranking the the evil doctor guy Munchie's like taking out the bullies uh, Munchie makes the car fly and the car chase uh, you know. It's, I don't know, it just feels a whole lot less um, engaging than the first movie. It feels like uh, it feels like a lot of the magic and a lot of the fun of the first movie, it was more going through the motions, and it, it overall didn't feel like they had a, as good of an idea of how to get Munchie involved in the plot. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <clears throat> like, they didn't know how to utilize him for the second one as well, you think? Yeah, I mean, think about the main beats of the original Munchie movie are like, uh, you know, at school, Munchie helps Gage, you know, get back at his bullies. Uh, at home, Munchie throws the big crazy party, uh, despite what Gage wants. And then Munchie uh, helps them in the car chase. Um, in this movie... All the th big events that happen are unrelated to Munchie, except for the end car chase. Like the baseball game was happening regardless. <laughs> the baseball game was happening regardless of Munchie. The dance was happening regardless of Munchie. The yeah. car chase happens because of Munchie, but he's barely involved. He kind of just sits next to the doctor as the other people chase him, and only at the very end does he do something. I mean, it's very like 
these events happen and Munchie's just kind of there, as opposed to the first movie where Munchie is making all of the mischief and the plot happen. Oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like Munchie's just existing in this one; he's not the catalyst. Yeah, he feels a lot less. He feels a lot less integral to the plot, and so it it, it feels less like a Munchie movie and more like a movie that just has Munchie in it. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, so yeah, those are my kind of gripes with it. I mean, it still has its moments, but I, it's nowhere near like kind of the weird, like the first movie is just so weird. Cause it's like, it's weirdly like horny. Like we've talked about, it's weirdly like violent in the way that, you know, the car chase is actually impressive. Uh, and Munchie is like, you know, a good character and he's voiced by Dom DeLuise and the puppet actually looks good. In this movie, the puppet's worse, uh, the plot's worse, uh, it's less weird, and I don't know if that's just because I'm used to Munchie having seen the first one, or if it's generally just uh, that it's worse. I feel like it's probably the second, because I was hoping it would be good, and I was honestly disappointed. Yeah. I went in not knowing if it was supposed to be better or worse than the first movie, so I honestly went in with a op completely open mind and was disappointed. Well, there. That's, uh... So I'd say if you're a fan of Munchie, if you've seen the first one and enjoyed it, you'll probably find some things to enjoy about this movie. And I mean, they don't make these weird kind of like low budget kids movies like this anymore. So no, I mean, yeah. it has a charm in that way, but definitely still nowhere near as fun and weird as the first Munchie movie. And that's my big problem. We all heard it here first. So, that was Munchie Strikes Back. Unfortunately, unlike Star Wars, it is not the best so of the Munchie series I've seen. It's not Empire Strikes Back. That's uh, a good joke. It, in many ways, Munchie Strikes Back makes Munchie look like Empire Strikes Back. Because huh. it's just such a step down from original Munchie. Um, of course, we haven't seen the movie that Munchie itself is supposedly a sequel to, even though they have nothing in common other than a similarity in the name, Munchies, which is like, I think like more of like a horror movie kind of in the style of Gremlins, where it's like weird little things ca causing mischief, but like more in like a malevolent way. So at some point we'll need to watch original Munchies and maybe, maybe we'll do, maybe for the rest of November because uh, there are how many more two 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 time two episodes left for this month? Yeah, three actually. Because oh no, actually the December first is on a Wednesday, so there are two more. Maybe we'll do maybe we'll do munch uh munch Vember, and we'll do next time. Do you know what I'm gonna say? We're gonna do it next time. Yeah, let's do it. Next episode will be on <laughs> technically the first Munchy film, but does not feature Munchy as far as I know. Munchies. Uh, and we'll see how much, it, if at all, it does relate to Munchie. Um, but with that in mind, uh, as I mentioned, in the credits for this movie, uh, much like in films like James Bond where, you know, 007 will return or Marvel movies, you know, whoever will return. At the end of this film, it said the Munch will return in Munchie Hangs 10. Of course, Austin they never made a third Munchie movie. They never made Munchie Hangs 10. And so even though they said he was going to return? He he never has. But, Austin, at least in in a way I feel like I can, I want to remedy that, Austin. I oh? want to write Munchie Hangs 10. Oh, God, please do. And now I'm saying it on the show so I can at least be held somewhat accountable and force myself to, to do it. 
before our last November episode, which is two weeks, the 20, uh, 24th, the, that Wednesday, the 24th, we'll probably record on the 23rd or 22nd. That's my birthday. So, uh, for part of your birthday, Austin, I want to write a spec script for Munchy Hangs 10. Oh, please. And we will, I will read it to you on on air for an episode after we do munchies next week all right all right now i want some input right now while we have a moment what kind of things would you like to see in munchy hangs 10 if if you could have input knowing Uh, what you know about munchy um, I need it to take place in a coastal city that uh, focuses around surfing. Right. Well, that seems like it. That seems like a given, uh, right. considering the name. Sorry, give me my, give me a second. My uh, throat is not happy currently. Um, so hijinks for sure. Um, maybe maybe he summons some kind of sea creature. Mm. I think I want to expand as the, one thing I did like about this movie, it expanded the Munchie lore in adding the astral plane and Kronos. I like that it expanded the magical world of Munchie. So I, I agree. I want Munchie Hangs 10 to have more magical elements. Uh, like you said, maybe a sea creature. Yeah. And maybe Ron Howard at some point. Uh so maybe Ron Howard? Yeah. Sure. I feel like I could work in some Easter eggs. Now, I I want to I want to say a moment of what I want. Actually, when I started watching Munchie Strikes Back at the very beginning, I was quite hopeful because well, as I described to you, this movie opens very strongly, almost as if like, you know, we it's never even left off from Munchie with yeah. Munchie and Gage you know, just going ape wild, blowing up a school, ha- having a having a real bash. And I thought it was going to be very much like a Gremlins the New Batch situation where it was yeah. basically munchy, you know, the original film, but like pumped up to even just more ridiculous hijinks uh, and, and shenanigans when, yeah, in, like you'd hope. when in reality Munchie Strikes Back was very much just kind of like sort of doing the first movie again but but worse uh when i wanted it to up the ante i wanted it you know we've seen munchie help a kid and a single mom i want to see new i want to see what more munchie can do i want to see it taken to the next level so in this movie i want to uh i want to punch it i don't want it to be boring munchie helps a lonely kid and his mom i want it to be some new uh kind of munchie hijinks and fun a new plot if you i don't want to rehash the same structure yeah i'm here for that now i want your input this film featured the same villain from the first movie do we bring him back uh in some way or do we have any besides munchie himself any uh any reoccurring characters uh Maybe, sorry, uh, maybe he's back, but it's like a misdirection. Like, like he's back briefly and we like set it up like he's going to be the villain. 
and then he's like taken care of really quick and then the real villain comes in sure so like cameos sort of cameos and 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 misdirection yeah of old cast what about other former cast like you know gage and his mom from the first movie or or uh this uh chris and his mom from this movie or a question with that um do we want this movie to take place as if are we gonna write this from the perspective as if they made a third munchie movie like two years after munchie strikes back in the 90s or are we writing this as if they were to make an actual kind of like munchie revival uh you know movie today Ooh, that's a good question. I think a period piece would be fun, and I think it works really well with the hijinks. So you want you want me to lean full into, you know, this is my idea of if in the 90s they made a third Munchie movie, what it would be? Yeah, but then I also love how bad some of the humor could be around Munchie and social media. Sure, sure. So I don't know. I'll consider both. Um, so... Any any other final thoughts on on things to work in to Munchie hangs ten? No, I mean it sounds like we got a stew going. All right. Well, if I have any thoughts while writing that I want your input on, I will make sure to to let you know. Yes. Uh, to the audience listening, please. Uh, we don't have a lot of audience engagement on this show, but in hearing this, if you are a Munchie head. If you are of our of the Munchie fan, if you are of the Munchie fandom, and have ideas or have elements that you would like to suggest, I won't guarantee that it makes it in, but if uh, I will definitely hear them and consider them, uh, please let us know. Uh, you can tweet at the show at explaining to Austin or not uh, at e two all capital capital e number two capital a podcast uh, at, on Twitter. Uh, that's always in the show notes as well that link or you can tweet to me on twitter at peyto brock all undercase uh, p-e-y-t-o-b-r-o-c-k tweet those to me or the show account Uh, i'll definitely consider them uh and would love your input so yeah that's i I i'm i think we got something good on our hands honestly i'm 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 kind of excited just to write this for fun uh sort of like i did I didn't write a script, but I wrote, you know, remember that plot when I bamboozled you with Cannibals of the Blood Disco. Oh, I remember. I'm, I'm kind of excited to do my best to to maybe replicate a munchy script the best I can while, while bringing my own ideas to it. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Well, that's, that's it. So look forward next week to our episode on munchies uh, for what I've just decided in the moment now is uh you know the first episode of november wasn't but for this episode and the next two this is uh munch vember uh in honor of munchie so um look forward to it and i gotta get writing yeah you do so i guess that's all for this week austin any final words uh no well uh long live munchie and i hope i can uh meet and excel all of your expectations and do a better job writing a munchie movie than munchie strikes back did for the franchise absolutely we'll see you next time all i did is samasaka munchification
Chamin.